All right, well, good evening, everybody. <laughs> wow, I'm here all by myself. <laughs> hey, it's so good to be with you guys. Um, as it is, I'm usually a couple times a year, I get to be here and come home and be with my family. Um, but I also want to say thank you um, because you, you have no idea that when you faithfully give here to Kensington or if you take part in the year-end giving, um, those dollars are also producing stories all the way out to Salt Lake City. And so uh, 15 years ago, it was 15 years ago, when I, uh, myself, my wife and Susie and I, went out to investigate to see if we should plant a church in Salt Lake. And uh, that week, I met with two different prayer groups, two different groups of pastors who used to get together. And it was so interesting because when I told them I was thinking about coming, they both looked at me and said, you would actually come to Utah? Because nobody comes to Utah. <laughs> in fact, I had one guy tell me, he said, Dave, sh- sh- truly, denominations who have guys that they don't know what to do with, they send them to Utah. <laughs> so, so literally, it was almost like a lone wolf effort. effort. You just realize, wow, we're kind of by ourselves. So, I mean, we had great people welcoming us. But, but as far as church planting, it was a new thing. Well, I, I spent 13 years here on staff. And so the church planting passion was definitely inside of me. And so we've been committed to that. And we've started an organization out there called Loving Utah. And what we do is anybody else who feels God calls them to plant a church in Utah, we make sure, man, we are there to welcome them, to get them connected, to network with them, to, uh, to, to, to love on them, to love on their spouses and their families. Um, we put together curriculum <clears throat> so that they can understand the culture that's out there because it's super different. And it's just been fantastic because too many guys come because it's super hard. Less than 2% go to a Christian church out there. So it's a different deal than most of the rest of the nation. And, uh, and it was so exciting. So just two weeks ago, Steve Andrews and his wife Paula were with us at our Loving Utah event. And there were 77 people for church planting at that event. Now, yeah, one hoop. Um, but you guys need to understand, like 14 years ago, it was like me and now 77 people are gathered together to, to, so that churches can plant and be healthy. And, Ke- and Kensington is a major supporter to that. So I just want to say thank you, because you guys are actually helping churches get grounded and be healthy. And you had no idea you were even doing that. So fantastic. Thanks for your support. Um, so we're starting a series here called Questions That Jesus Asks. Isn't it interesting that the God of the universe would come down to earth and he would ask people questions? In fact, he asked him over 130 different haunting, sometimes, questions. But I was actually, Andy Stanley, how many of you like Andy Stanley? Anybody listen to Andy? Yeah, a lot of you. He's great. And so I was listening to one of his leadership podcasts one time, and he said, great leaders ask questions. So it's probably why Jesus was doing that, because he was the greatest leader of all. And so we're going to do that for a few weeks, and tonight we're going to look at a very serious question that Jesus wants to ask all of us in this room. And that is, why do you judge? Why do you judge? It's so interesting because the church today is known for being way too judgmental. In fact, it's one of the reasons why people have a problem with the church. One of my friends, Gabe Lyons, years ago wrote a book called Unchristian. And he basically surveyed everybody around the nation. And they figured out, how do you view the Christian church today? And one of the main things that came out is they're self-righteous hypocrites. (laughs) That's how the world sees us. And so when when we hear that, Jesus goes, so can I ask you a question? Why why do you judge? 
Even Gandhi said it, right? This classic quote. He goes, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Sometimes I feel the same way. Anybody else? And then he says, your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And so Christ, tonight, just wants to ask us, so can I ask you a question tonight? Why, why do you judge? So let's jump right in. It's Matthew chapter 7, the passage we're going to pull apart tonight. And he says this. Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. So, so there you go. He just gave away my message right there, right? <laughs> he makes it point blank clear. But then he keeps going on. He says, for in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Isn't that interesting? Jesus calls us the same thing the the, the world does. (laughs) You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So how many of you have ever had something in your eye, right? How many of you have ever had something in your eye? All of us have got something in your eye. It doesn't matter if it's big. It doesn't matter the size. It can be the smallest little speck. But when you have something in your eye, it it hurts. It really does. In fact, if you're a parent, you know this, man. All of us have had a kid all of a sudden break out in a hysterical scream. It's like, what, my gosh, what is wrong? I've got something in my eye. And when someone has something in their eye, what do you do? Well, you usually find a Kleenex, but I couldn't find one, so I grabbed some toilet paper, right? And if you were a dad, that's what you would do. You would go and you would find the softest thing that you could find. And then you take it, right, and you twist it. And you make it as small as possible on the tip. You get down and you say, okay, hold on, honey, it's going to be okay. And then as gently as you possibly can, you make sure you don't poke their eye. And you just touch the speck. Just get the speck. And you take it out. And Jesus says, hey, so when you see a speck in someone's eyes, and you know it's hurting someone, right? It hurts. So when you see something in someone's life and it's causing emotional turmoil for them, you see that it's hurting the relationships. If you're a follower of Christ, of course, you're going to want to take out that speck. But what Jesus says is, instead of taking out the speck, those of us who are religious, (laughs) you got one of these in your eye. (laughs) Here, excuse me, let me just help you there with your speck, right? He goes, you should, instead of being kind and gentle, you're whacking people with one of these. And what's crazy is, this isn't even close to what Jesus was really saying. Because that word <laughs> meant a beam that holds up your house. Jesus was trying to be as ridiculously, as ridiculous as possible to help people understand. You guys, when you judge, this is a big deal. And so tonight, very clearly, okay, if you're not a Christian, this is a great night to be here because you might too feel like, why are Christians so judgmental? And you're going to hear tonight why. But and for those of us who actually follow Jesus, we're going to have a chance to hopefully have this remedied. 
It made me think of like an unruly courtroom, right? We've all seen it in movies. So a verdict is given and the, someone in the courtroom so disagrees. I'm like, no, they hurt me. You have no idea what they've done. You can't let them go. And if there's someone really unruly in the courtroom, what do they do to that person? They escort them out. Because that's not their job. They're not the ones who actually get to give the judgment. Now, this is super important, okay? Because when you use the word judge, there is a wide range of meaning. That word can mean different things. On one hand, to judge simply means to evaluate or to discern. It just means you're deciding something. You know, that's good. That's bad. That's right. That's wrong. That's beautiful. That's ugly. You're you're making a judgment. Okay? Now, in our culture today, if you pretty much stand for anything and say, hey, I think this is right, people will come back and go, you're judging me. But you need to know, Jesus is never saying that we're not supposed to make judgments. In fact, we are. So that's why when a person receives Christ, he says, you receive my Holy Spirit inside of you, and now my Spirit can help you discern, help you make judgments. You actually should now be able to say this is right and this is wrong. This is good. This isn't, this isn't good. So God wants us actually to make those type of judgments. So that's what judge means on this side. But over here, the judgment we have to talk about that Christ has a problem with, the one he's talking about is the critical spirit. It's the condemnation. It's where you want to punish the person or condemn them. So you're not, this judgment is, I'm not just judging that it's right or wrong. Now I'm judging you. And I'm actually going to cause punishment for you. And usually the punishment is, I'm going to withdraw my love from you. You, I'm making a judgment if you're worthy or not of my love. And then most of us, at some point, will pull that away. And that's when God says, hey, I'm glad you made a right discernment. But the way you're doing it, And the fact that you're pulling your love away, that is not okay. You guys, it was so interesting. I I love the book of Ephesians. I did all my Greek study in the book of Ephesians. And so a few years ago, my wife and I were going to do a Bible study on Ephesians. And we're like, oh, I can't wait for everybody else to get this. (laughs) And then as any of us who read the Bible know, I open it up. I get to chapter 1 and verse 9 just smacks me across the face. And it says this. For God has revealed to us the mystery of his will purposed in Christ. Now, right there, you should just stop. Anybody in here ever want to know God's will? (laughs) We always want, God, what's your will? He goes, I've revealed it. And he says, I've revealed the mystery of my will, purposed in Christ. Why in the world did Jesus come? Why was he on the cross? He goes, let me tell you. You guys know what it says? The mystery of God, purposed in Christ, was to unite everything under one person, the head, and that's Jesus. God's whole plan is to bring us together. So whenever there's anything that's divisive, whenever anything is pulling people apart, you can know right now, it's not God. It's not. In fact, the Bible says it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic when division is happening. And you know what? Every time you feel like you're superior and you look down on somebody else, it always pulls relationship apart. So here's what you've got to ask yourself. When you see, because we all see it, when you see a speck in someone's eye, 
When you see that they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, you have to ask yourself, when I go in to tell them, are you trying to get that relationship back? Are you trying to restore gently that person back to God or back to yourself? Or are you going to show them that they're wrong and you're right? And God says, this is a big deal. It's a really big deal to him. And by the way, let me just ask you, how many of you in here judge people? Okay, and the rest of you lie, so we're all in good. Yep, we're all good here. It's true. Can, it, I, I, we all do this. Every one of us struggles. So here's what we're going to look at tonight. Why? Why do we do this? That's the first thing we've got to look at. If Jesus is going to ask us, hey, why do you judge? We have to figure out what the cause of our judging is. And then we're going to look at what the results are when we judge. And then we'll eventually get to the remedy. Because there is a remedy for judging. And that's really good news. Okay? Now, before I dive in to pulling this apart, we're going to go ahead and take our offering right now. Okay? So if you have come prepared to give, uh, now's your time. And I just want to say, you guys, again, this is such a beautiful and really important part of the service. Because I, I really do believe that God instituted this whole tithing idea, this whole idea of giving back to him. It's the best possible thing for your heart. Because Jesus came to set us free, right? And we are so prone to have our heart to go like this. Ah, for me. And God goes, you guys, this will kill you, man. Just, you just need to be free. And this giving moment is a chance to exercise on a regular basis. Man, God, you're more important than I am. And so let's go ahead and the ushers will get prepared to give. And I'm just going to pray for us, okay? And let's dive in. Father, I, I'm just so grateful for your presence here in this room. And for the reality that you know everyone intimately. And you know the conflicts that they're in right now. You know the people who, have, who are being judged. You know the people who are judging. You know where there's division happening. And straight from your word, we know that your will is to get rid of the division and to bring unity. So I pray that your word, I really do, God, I just ask that your presence would be here. And be intimate, be clear, be strong, and move us to a place where we walk out free. And more free than we walked in. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here we go. What's the cause of judging? Matthew 7, 5, Jesus says, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, it's interesting. What does hypocrite mean? It actually was a word that was taken from stage acting. So in that day and age, when someone was on the stage and they would put on a mask, they would do that to hide, to disguise the person who was behind the mask. And that's where the word hypocrite came from. So basically, when Jesus says, you hypocrite, he goes, you're masking who you really are. You're putting on an outward front that you're righteous and that you do everything right. But the reality is, I kind of know what's going on behind there. And so you're not being real with yourself when you're judging other people. So Luke 18, 9, he, go, he says this. To some who are confident of their own righteousness, and they look down on everybody else. Anybody ever had someone look down on you? Of course you have. What are they doing? They have confidence in their own righteousness. 
Somehow they think they're better than you. And so they look down on you. And here's what's interesting. As I was studying this passage, this was the revelation that really hit me. That this plank right here, okay? I used to think, for years, I would think when I read that, it's like, hey, listen, you see a speck in someone else's eye, but you've got lots of specks in your eye. But that's not what he's saying, right? He goes, you may see a speck in somebody else's eye. He's not talking about specks. He's talking about something completely different. And so you know what this is, you guys? You know what the plank is? The plank is self-righteousness. The plank is when you believe that you're better than the other person, and so you elevate yourself over them. And now you put judgment and you say, you're not worthy, I am. That's what this thing is. It's self-righteousness. Because we all sin, right? We all have specks in our eyes. But what Jesus is saying is, but those of you who judge others for their specks, you've got something else besides your specks. You have those two, but you have a plank. When you judge, criticize another person, withhold your love from them, you're somehow better and superior. Here's what he's saying. You're justifying your life by your performance. You think your performance is better. So you're justifying your whole life on how good you are. And you're justifying other people based on their performance. And he says, you guys, that's a huge issue. And here's what's crazy. Those of us in this room who are Christians, if you really are a Christian, what the Bible's telling us, me too, is all of us have to be really aware of this problem right here. It's the religious people who have a problem with planks in their eye. Okay, look at this. This is crazy. Galatians chapter 5. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, this is actually really good news. This is one of the most crazy things to me when I became a Christian. Like, I didn't know that, you know, you're struggling to obey God. You, you, you don't even want to obey. You're not even struggling. You just don't do it. And then you put your faith in Christ and he puts his spirit inside of you. And now you actually want to do the right things. Isn't that the craziest thing? Anybody else experience that? I, I always say it this way. It's like, it's not that I can't sin anymore. I just can't enjoy it like I used to. And, and why not? The only reason I can't enjoy it is because his spirit is inside of me. And those who belong to Christ, if you're a Christian, you belong to Christ, you have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then he goes on and says, So, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. But look at what he says. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now we're going to go to chapter 6, and this is such a bummer because in our Bibles you're like, oh, chapter 5 is done. Now let's go to chapter 6. Paul, you, by the way, do you guys know Paul didn't write chapters? <laughs> it was just a letter. <laughs> he just had one continual thought. Here's his continual thought. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore, you should restore that person gently. Gently, let me help you. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. If anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. 
So here's the first thing we need to understand. As soon as you see a speck in someone, oh my gosh, do you see what they're doing? You see it? The Bible says the first thing you got to do is say, watch out. <laughs> watch out. Be careful. And what does that mean? Because you, you can be tempted. You mean, if I see somebody who's struggling with alcohol, I better be careful to show it to them because I might start drinking. Is that what he's saying? <laughs> or if you see someone who's struggling with money and their finances and it's controlling them and it's getting out of control, it's like, well, well be careful because if you show them that, you might go into debt. No, that's not what he's saying. What's he saying? He's saying temptation. The temptation isn't to drink or sleep around or vote Democrat, you know, all those things we're really concerned with. Um, <laughs> Or to vote Republican. I, come on, you guys. Seriously, did this happen here? I, I mean, we laugh about it. But in my church, did this happen at Kensington? People were losing their friendship based on which party they voted for. Talk about we immediately judged each other in our superiority because I'm Democrat or I'm Republican. And then there's this third group going, you voted for either of them? And they're judging everybody. I mean, it was just insane. And what he's saying, man, when you see a speck, you better watch out. Because your temptation is, you're going to think, oh, I don't do that. I walk in the Spirit. Let me help you. Oh, God, please don't. (laughs) Right? That's how you feel with people like that. Because you start thinking you're something when you're not. You gotta be super careful because it leads to conceit. What is conceit, you guys? Conceit, by definition, is excessive pride in oneself. It's self righteousness. I've got it together and you don't. And here's what's crazy somehow, as soon as we as you receive Christ, and as soon as you start to experience the righteousness of God in your life, changing you, you can start thinking it's your own. You can start thinking that you're actually good instead of forgetting that, man, I wasn't good at all until Jesus came and then he gave me this righteousness as a free gift to me. Now, what's crazy, if you can pull up the verse again, it says, let us not become conceited because two things can happen when you're conceited. We provoke each other and we envy each other. Provoke, by definition, what is it? It's to call forth into battle. It's to rise up anger or evil in another person. So he's just saying right here, if you become conceited and you think you're better and now you're judging somebody else, you're going to provoke them. You're going to call them into battle. And you all know this. When you get judged, the last thing you want to do is hang out with that person. What is there? Division. The very thing Jesus died to not happen. But if you judge someone and you're conceited and you judge the other person and they're better than you, now what do you got? Envy and provoking or envy. What? Neither of them are good for relationship. They both cause division. And so that's why God says this thing right here, man, this is a big deal. Because I died on the cross, Christian, so that you would be united with each other. But every time you get self-righteous and judge someone, it's divisive. It is not of me at all. I don't like any specs. But first, you got to take care of this beam. Why is it such a big deal? Look at this, James chapter 4. It says, brothers and sisters, don't slander anyone. 
anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them, right? Because even slander, when you slander someone, what are you doing? It means you're talking in a way that's putting that person down. It elevates you and it makes them look bad. So he goes, if, if you slander your brother against a brother or sister or judge them, you actually speak against the law and you judge it. And when you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy, but you, who are you when you judge your neighbor? Now, this is fascinating. What's he saying here? So the law is what? Right? Jesus said what? The greatest commandment. What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, all of the law hangs on those two things. So the law, even in the book of James, it says, he calls it the royal law of love. So God, the one we worship, has given us a law. And he says, here it is. You are to love. What the scripture's saying is, but if you sit there and you go, hmm, I'm going to slander. I'm going to judge. He goes, you're not keeping the law anymore. You're actually judging the law. That's what the Bible just said. And what's that mean? Remember what the definition is of judge? You are making a discernment. You're making an evaluation. You are the one deciding if the law should be followed or not. So really what you're doing is you're the one who's deciding if what God says is actually true or not. This is why it's a big deal to God because he's saying, wait a second, I made it really clear. You're just supposed to love everybody. But when you put yourself over the law and say, hmm, no. You just judged the law, which means you judged who? God. You just trumped God. Now we're talking some self Righteousness, I'm right, God, and you're not. That's a big deal. That's why this is so much more important than every other speck that people are struggling with. You don't want to trump God. But that's what causes it. That's the cause of it. And we all have this tendency inside to want to show how good we are and to get our value from that, and we have to be super careful. So... That's what causes it. What's number two? And what's the result? If we judge, what's the result? Look at this. Here's Jesus, point blank. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Okay? Anybody want to be judged? No, I mean, we hate it. We don't want to be judged. And then he goes on, and he says, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What's he saying here? This is, you guys, again, if you're, if you're a follower of Christ here, you, gotta, you can't just, we, I think we actually just skip this over. Because we all judge people, and we just don't think it's that big of a deal. But Jesus is saying, no, this is a big deal. Because here's how this is going to work. If that's how you want to play the game, if you want to look at everybody else's behavior, and then judge whether they're worthy of your love or not, and, and then pull their love away, if that's how you want to do it, then, um, then that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to judge you in the same way that you judge everybody else. Makes me want to go, hey, man, you guys are cool, right? But what, what is he saying here? 
It's, it's like the unruly courtroom again. If you're, if you're the one in there and you go, no, 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 that person needs to pay, man. They hurt me. Do you, God, do you know what they did to me? I'm going to withhold. And he, I, I just think God would sit there and go, wait, wait, hold on just one second. Do you remember when you were on the witness stand? <laughs> do you remember when the prosecuting attorney sat there for a week and revealed every evil thing you've ever done? <laughs> and you were feeling horrible? And I sat on the judge, uh, at the uh, judge, and I hit my gavel, and I said, but that person has received Christ. So Christ has taken away all of their sin into himself, and that you are forgiven. Do you, do you remember when I did that for you? Do you remember when I justified you freely? And now you're going to put someone else up on the witness stand and demand that they get punished? See, this is when Jesus goes, oh, okay, hold on. If that's how you want to play the game, then we'll play the game that way. So, man, why is this a big deal? Look at this verse in Romans. It says, you therefore, this is, uh, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself. <laughs> See, we think, man, oh, you're going to get punished. And he goes, no, 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 no. You actually just condemned yourself when you judged. Because who you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So, when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet you do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience not realizing, not real. Did you forget that it was God's kindness, right? It was God's kindness that actually brought you to repentance. That when God saw all of your sin, he did not pull out one of these, man. And this is what we all think, right? We think this is God. And this isn't God. This is God. And his kindness and gentleness led you to repentance. So, so Jesus goes, so, can I, so why are you judging? <laughs> Did you forget? See, because you're taking the place, you're taking my place, you're trumping me and judging, and that's reserved for me alone because I'm the only one who knows the truth. Now again, these, this passage says two things happen to us when we judge other people. Number one, he says you're condemning yourself. Whoa, 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 wait, hold on, Jesus. No, I'm the good guy. He's the bad guy. He goes, no, 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 you're condemning yourself. What do you mean? He goes, because you're showing that you're still a moralist. You're showing that you still base your value on your own performance because now you're judging, your, your, you're putting your performance above somebody else's performance. He goes, you've totally condemned yourself because now, if that's how you want to look at it, I'm going to look at your performance and... I tell you, it's not all that great. So you just condemned yourself. And then even stronger, he says, don't you understand, David? When you judge someone, you show contempt for my kindness. Do you guys know what contempt means? Contempt means worthless, to see something as worthless 
beneath consideration and totally disregarded. (laughs) So what he's saying is when you judge another person, you totally disregard my work on the cross. That's what you're saying to me. That's what God's saying. That's what you're saying to me when you judge another person. You're saying my work on the cross, Jesus, that doesn't mean anything. Because this is about this person not living up to what they should. So you just showed contempt for what Jesus did for another person. He goes, hold on a second. So I will forgive them. I'll take all of their sin into myself. Give them my righteousness so that I see no blemish or no accusation. And you're going to show complete contempt for that by judging them. Y'all, this is a big deal. That's why, that's why he uses such a strong, diverse speck, tiny speck, sleeping around, speck, drunkenness, speck, greed, speck, lying, speck, judging, something that holds the whole house up. Don't do it. All right. So, you might ready for some good news now. <laughs> but this is, the, this is where we can't just, we, we flip right by this stuff as Christians and we think we can judge and it's not a big deal. It is. But there is a remedy. Thank you, God. And here's the remedy for judging. In Matthew 7, 5, he says, you hypocrite first, first, take this thing out of your eye. Get it out. And then, once this is out, because if this thing's in my eye, right? <laughs> If this is in my eye, how, how close can I get to you? That's as close as I can get to you. I'm never going to have a relationship with you if this thing's in my eye. So get rid of this. And then, what's the scripture say? And then you'll see clearly to actually do something about it. He does want you to help people. This is crazy. So the question is, how do you get the plank out of your eye? And I think it's, it's actually kind of simple. You just got to ask two simple questions. Number one... Who do you actually follow? If you call yourself a Christian, do you follow Jesus? Is he really living inside you? Because that's what a Christian is. You guys know this, right? It's not going to church. Jesus said, that's not the deal. You're not even a Christian, Jesus says, unless you're born of my spirit, unless my spirit is actually inside you. So when Jesus, who lives inside you, And now you follow him. So you have to go, who is it that you follow? And then secondly, you just go, and what have I received? What have you received? So who's this Jesus who lives inside of you? He's the remedy. He's the remedy. Why? You know, in the book of John, so John, who got to hang out with Jesus every day for three years, I love this. He goes, we've seen the glory of the one and only. Right? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We've seen the glory And I always joke because I just think if I was writing the book and I wanted to talk about the glory of Jesus, I would have said, the guy walked on water. He fed 5,000 people with just a few fish and loaves of bread. I saw him raise Jesus from, or no, Lazarus from the dead. I would put all these big things. That's not what John did. You know what John said? He goes, we've seen the glory of the one and only full of grace and truth full of grace and truth and that is the remedy for judging Jesus 
is the truth, you guys. He has no problem telling us the truth, right? So you run into Jesus, and you know what he does? He immediately says, hey, this is wrong, and this is right. This is bad, and this is good. And I don't know about you, I'm so grateful that God came and let us know. Because when you do good stuff, it produces good results, right? It actually brings peace and joy and life. And so Jesus will always tell you the truth. But once he does that, and by the way, you guys, the word of God is also called the word of truth. It's called a a double-edged sword that divides even between bone and marrow, which back then, that was what they were, this like something that felt like it was one thing. The word of God goes in and it says, this is you and this is me. This is your thoughts, and these are my thoughts. See, so the truth does make an evaluation. It does discern what is right and what's wrong. But here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. Once he comes in and speaks the truth, makes a judgment about what's right or wrong, then he doesn't go, now get over here. He doesn't pick up the plank and say, I've had it with you. That's not what he does. What does he do? Jesus goes, listen, I understand. I understand. I walked in flesh for 33 years, and I was tempted in every way that you are. So I'm here to help you. I'm here to give you mercy and grace. So he gives you grace. He he speaks truth, but then he comes and he dies on the cross to take away this sinful thing inside of you. Because he just goes, I know you can't do it. I know you can't be good enough. I know you struggle to be who you really want to be. So let me help you. And he's so kind that it actually leads you to say, you mean you're not going to beat me over the head with this thing? No, no, no. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give up my life for you. And then it leads people to repentance and they get reconciled back to God. That's who he is. And I just want to tell you, as a Christian, when you sit there and you realize that, you go, my life is one big pile of mercy. That's what I've received. That's the second question. Who do you follow? A God like this or a God on the cross like this. And when you follow this one, then he gets inside you and you receive him. You receive his truth and his mercy. So what's so cool is now you can actually give what you've received. So you get into a situation with someone at your workplace or a family member and you go, oh man, I'm making a judgment here I'm discerning that there's something in your life that's not good. And you tell them the truth. Because if you don't tell them the truth, what are they going to do? Keep doing it. And it's going to destroy them. So you don't love them if you don't tell them the truth. But when you tell them the truth, then you say, hey, and I understand. I struggle too. And your kindness and your grace that you give the person actually gives them a chance to taste and see that God is good. And it leads them to Jesus. And then the world doesn't go, those hypocritical, 
self-righteous, judging Christians. They go, those kind, gentle, loving, truth-telling Christians. And that's why God says, why do you judge? When I'm the only judge, and I'm not even judging you, give what you've received. So here's how we're going to close today. Is, uh, Jesus said, you're gonna ha- you are going to need to remember this. You- you're going to be tempted to get conceited and think you're better. So on a regular basis, he goes, you, get- you just got to take some communion here. <laughs> okay? So that's what we're going to do. And the ushers are going to come forward, and you're going to take this piece of bread, which represents Christ's body. And what did he say, right? He sat with his disciples, he took this loaf of bread, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. What was he saying? He goes, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to sacrifice my life for you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to give myself up for you. I love you. And so when you hold that bread, and I want you to just hold it while we watch this and listen to the song. Just hold it and remember, I can't believe how merciful and kind and gracious Jesus is. I'm not going to show contempt for that. And then the coolest thing he says, and think about this, eventually then we're going to take it and you're going to eat it and it's going to go inside you. And Jesus says, and that's where I am. I'm now in you so you can live like me. So that you can give grace and truth to others. All right? So as we watch this, we're going to start off with some people who are just saying, I got judged, man. I had tattoos and everybody judged me and always said that I was in a gang. I got pregnant when I was a teenage girl. And all of a sudden, my teachers and my friends totally judged me and avoided me. I I just have a different dialect at work. And because of that, people judge my performance. And they totally accuse me of not being able to do my job. That's some of the stories you're going to see. Hold this and just go, Jesus, please help me to not be that judging person, okay? Hold it, and then we'll take it together after this is done.